You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. Here's a minor spoiler for you. As as we know, Grogu now apparently has the ability to just jump up and flip wherever the fuck he wants. So uh, I'm just throwing it out there that that makes things a little bit happier during that intro. Also, hello, Tracy. I know you have a cold. I hope you're yeah, doing okay. I'm doing doing okay. I might be um, a little bit less uh, face forward than usual, which I don't know. It could be a mercy. Uh, it could be that the that the listeners will will dig that. Uh, yeah, we're doing we're doing okay over here in Shea Towns, and I do feel like, given that we're recording on Easter weekend here, um, that really Grogu should have had some bunny ears. Um, yeah, I feel like it's a lost opportunity. Now we have to wait a whole year to put tiny little bunny ears on Grogu, and I blame you. Yep. So. Do, you do you celebrate Easter the same way I do by playing like Resident Evil? Uh, no, strangely, I do not. Um, <laughs> no, I, I being that I have older kids at fifteen and eleven. Um, the Easter egg hunt is primarily an extortion scheme at this point uh, that involves tiny plastic eggs that have been filled with cash money. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, but in 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 fairness uh, to uh, them, if I were to put like pieces of candy and stuff, that would be very bad because I have a scent hound in the house as well. And between the house and the yard, she would just she would just eat those <laughs> things, and then she'd die, and that would be you. You, I think, in a recent Just Us episode for the patrons, you you clued into the fact that I use uh, gave it up for Lent as a long running joke. Like, there's yeah. lots of things. Uh, okay. One of my aunts reached out and said, "What are you doing for Easter?" And I said, "I gave it up for Lent." <laughs> <laughs> That's very meta of you. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Anyway, so you and, introduce and this- our guest. Uh, yeah, and so on the subject of the metaverse, um, this this guest comes to us from not the metaverse. So I've known Daniel M. Ford for a while through the adjacencies of the Twitterverse and being being authors and being like writing centric people and all of that. And I'm so excited for him because the warden is coming out from tour on April 18th, which if you're listening to this episode when it drops is a week away, which means it is not too late for you to pre-order. Dan, how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I mean, off the streets and out of trouble. Sometimes that's, a, yeah. that's the most I can ask <laughs> of the, myself. The best ha- happy ever. almost, happy almost book, book birthday. So thank you, thank you. You excited or exhausted? I am more exhausted than excited. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm. When I got the first, when I got my author copies in the mail, I was super excited. That was almost, that was just about a month ago. I actually finally held the book and it was real. Um, But, you know, now I'm working on uh, further books, like I'm deep in revisions on that. So that's all I can really think about. And yeah, we're definitely in the exhaustion phase of book release. Ask me on the... Ask me on the 17th and I'll probably be excited, but right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. One more sleep till book. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's also not your first rodeo. I mean, it is your first rodeo with Tor, but you've Mm -hmm. also written the Paladin trilogy and and, and other novels as well. And you're a poet, so you've kept yourself very busy as a writer. So this has to feel like very familiar at the same time and also very new at the same time, I guess. Um, um, it, it is different. There is, I guess there's a lot more um, marketing responsibilities and things with, with tour or, but 
not responsibilities exactly, but I have more stuff to do. Opportunities. 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 There we go. That's that's yes. the yeah. that's the word. And um, you know, it's my first hardback. Uh, and mm-hmm. having my name nice. kind of right on the same spine of a book as the tour logo is literally a dream since I was 11 years old and knew what publishers oh, yeah. were. So it still feels a little surreal in that regard. Nice. Yeah. So, and I mean, I don't want to sleep on the story of uh, the warden either because I feel like it's kind of threading a needle between, gosh, it feels, it's like, tiny bit weird west meets a little bit max gladstone meets um gosh it's just it's meeting a lot of things it's very busy as a concept so we have we have necromancers but it feels a little bit like necromancer by way of urso Le Guin's earthsea assignment of wizards to communities <laughs> thing so sure. all right i i think i'm ruining it how about you fix it for the listeners help them understand <laughs> so- the book so in this book is about uh, a warden named Ailish Kyristiona de Lenti Untirival. And the reason her name is so fancy and so long is because she is very rich and very noble and very privileged. And when she graduates from the Lyceum, which is Wizards College, um, and she becomes a warden, which is kind of a wizard that's empowered to enforce laws, be a local magistrate, an investigator, she is expecting to go to a grand city you know, one of the places she grew up and is used to. And instead they send her to the middle of nowhere to, as she puts it once to the forest primeval um, in this tiny sheep herding village where she doesn't know how to talk to people and she doesn't know what they want from her. And because they see she's wearing the black robes of a necromancer, nobody wants anything to do with her. Um, and slowly by like, building fences and things like that. She sort of starts to gain trust. And then she realizes that, you know, uh, there are magical mysteries abounding inside this town. And there are things for her to do as a warden, as a wizard, not fun things, not things she wants to do, not, you know, chilling in some rich person's villa and drinking wine, which is what she was kind of counting on. Um, But she's also very ambitious and she's very devoted to the idea of being a warden. She actually takes her responsibilities very seriously. So, um, but yeah, yeah is, you, sorry. I, I was going to say, it, it, it sounds, it sounds amazing. Uh, but you did warn us, but beforehand that you would get attacked by cat eventually. I did. Uh, yeah, and, and, and you are being attacked by cat now. I so, yeah. uh, you know, did, I, I like to ask this because I, I feel like, uh, People who have cats and dogs and animals in their life tend to, oh, I don't know how I want to say this. Uh, any any cats in your books? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, not in this book. There, <laughs> there is a cat in uh, the Jack Dixon novels, which is a series, uh, a short okay. series of like private detective novels where his, his best friend has this giant orange cat named Gimli. Um but uh, there is a goat in this book, and it's a terrible goat, okay. and Ailish hates it and is constantly threatening to kill it. But that's kind of the only animal uh, in the warden. But but if she kills it, she can bring it back, right? right? Oh, is Sorry. there any other kind of goat? <laughs> <laughs> so um, she could, but actually as a necromancer, that is the kind of thing Ailish doesn't do. She does not animate the dead. She does not do that kind of thing. Her necromancy tends more towards 
uh, modern surgery and medicine just done in a magical context using magical tools. She's basically a, in addition to being like the frontier marshal, she's also the frontier surgeon. Oh, and like the frontier doctor, which the people, when she gets there, don't, don't realize that. And the fact that necromancers don't make animations anymore is sort of a plot running through the series. Um, that you'll oh. learn more about. Yeah. Okay. They used to do that. They don't. There are reasons why. I could. I. I don't think I have a lot of trouble imagining what some of those reasons could be. But sometimes you're a very <laughs> yeah. surprising author, so I, I will assume that you've gone beyond my expectations. Ba- ba- basically, so. what he's saying is that 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 entire necromancy industry is dead. <laughs> I mean, I mean that 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 subset of it, right? Like. I don't know yeah. that people are selling like a lot of VHS these days, but recorded media is still something that, you know, is sure. desired. It's just weirdly we're flashing back to like vinyl, you know. So Yeah, oddly oddly vinyl, yeah, is is growing and CD sales are down, which is interesting. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Before we get off the rails, Tracy. I she okay, so I was I was giving um I don't think I was giving you a hard time. I was being merely informative for Dan's benefit. Uh, oh, no, no. I'm not, I, I'm not taking him. it personally. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I was just yeah. no, I'm just Dan <laughs> in green room time that if, if things ever got too serious, we could rely on um, <laughs> we could rely on, on Patrick to steer us. I, I, I'm simply saying that if we stick with vinyl and CD sales, I'm going to talk for the rest of the interview, and Dan is not, and then we're going to be screwed. I mean, <laughs> it would – You'd have a good time. But, I'd have a uh, great time. <laughs> so I think for me, the, the what I, I mean, there's like a billion things I love about the premise of the fish out of water sort of scenario. But I think the part of it that I really enjoy most is, is the small town angle of it. Not just because okay. it's such a disappointment to Alice's expectations, but because small towns are just wild with like their own kind of lore and weird internal politics and like strange customs and all my mom you know come from came from a very small town in northern part of the lower peninsula of michigan like 400 people first thing you had to do on date number one would be to sit down uh with the other person at the soda shop which was attached to the um, police, police office, which was attached to the only gas station in town. And at said, said soda shop, gas station, police station, you had to figure out how closely related. And if it was any closer than second cousin, the date was off. It was like that kind of small town. Right. Um, my, my mom ended up marrying a guy from West Virginia and I am a child of that union. So it's one of the few opportunities that someone from, from West Virginia could have to kind of diversify the, anyway, that's, um, I probably shouldn't have gone there. What, 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 um, what was that? What was the episode of Community where like they go to the wedding and it turns out the bride and groom, like the groom's uh, great aunt or something, is like the the bride's grandmother mm-hmm. or, or something like. That. It's like it's a yeah, it's that kind of a thing. Like that, yeah. that is one hundred percent a thing that could have happened in my mom's hometown, and um, so the thing for me, so when I think about this kind of premise, is I think about characters like my grandparents who were. The local bankers, but they were my my grandpa was also sort of like the mayor, and he, they also ran the local movie theater, and so they they did all of that, 
and their house was like right there. And the bank was 50 feet over that way out of their front yard. And the post office was 50 feet the other way out of their front yard. And like everybody was three or four things. This idea that you could be kind of the warden who brings sort of the kind of sheriff of the law, as it were. But you're also the surgeon. And also, I'm going to build your fence because I need you people to allow me to be here with you. Feels very authentic. <laughs> Good. Yeah, when, when she first gets there and nobody has any, you know, magical crises for her to solve, she asks sort of the local innkeepers who are also kind of the local gossips and the local, like, town dads. It's this married couple, Russ and Martin. And they're like, everybody in a farm, farming town, everybody is always working on a fence. Everybody mm-hmm. is always working on a fence. <laughs> and so she just kind of walks around till she finds somebody working on a fence and a goat tries to get out and she so she puts up a ward because one of the other kinds of magic she can do is abjuration um and mm. so she just puts up a ward so that the goat can't get out while they're you know busy getting the defense pole in place and that that's like the first thing that gets people to warm up to her they're like oh she can actually use magic to help us do something that matters you know not just fight skeletons or or um you know magic tricks or whatever great maybe she's not terrible Give me magic invisible fence against my goat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So thinking about, I mean, your your day job, uh, if you don't mind mm. me bringing that up, we have also in common that our day jobs are yes. teaching college prep uh, kids, college preppy type of stuff at funky mm-hmm. high schools. Um, but your yeah. particular funky high school is in kind of a rural area too. Um, it is, yeah. If I recall correct. Mine is thoroughly suburban. But I'm kind of wondering to what extent just driving in and out of work and like the communities that your students come from and all of that kind of inflects your thinking about how do I capture what this town is? It it does a little bit. Um, I would say that Ailish, the, the, the main character, is definitely like she is a lot of students I have taught in that um, – you know, they're really brilliant. They're really driven. They're really ambitious. Um, and they come, some of them come, it, it is a private school. So a lot of the kids are kind of privileged. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on that, but it's, it's an affordable yeah. private school. I'll put it that way. Um, like sure. by design, that's, that's in our mission statement. Um, but they, they're kind of the opposite of Alish in that they, they cannot wait to get out of this town. They, they cannot wait to go. Um, but it's just kind of, um, they seeing the arcs that some of them have been on. Cause I'm still in contact with kids. I taught 15 years ago and like amazing things they're doing, you know, you can, it's about learning your obligations to other people in the world. When you pursue your, your ambition, right other people still matter. And I see kids learn that lesson like again and again and again. Um, And that's kind of what I wanted to do with Ailish. Um, And I'd say that's kind of where work has influenced the book a little bit. I feel that too, in the the sense of like Ailish is graduating from the Lyceum and like, she's got this grand plan. Like I'm going to, this is Mm -hmm. going to be the type of future I have. I know I'm really good. Of course they're going to put me someplace where someone of my skill is badly needed. Um, so, you know, the red carpet will be rolled out for me. And I, Mm -hmm. I see a lot of my students with very particular visions of their future. Like they've, 
They either come from families that like took the U.S. News and World Report top 25 colleges, tore off the bottom 15, gave them the, the top <laughs> said, part, yeah. and they were like, here's your list, kid. Like, this is this <laughs> yeah. is what's okay by us, right? Um, and same thing with like careers and whatever. And whether it was their family telling them that this is the trajectory that's expected or them developing those expectations of themselves, there is a lot of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and I'm going to do that and then ergo this will follow and this will be my future and it is interesting how many of them not to say that they fail in any way but that when something that is not part of that plan surfaces it is mm -hmm. am i a bad person that i i love that <laughs> moment i honestly do like i love seeing them caught a little bit flat-footed by realizing like oh shit i don't want to be a pre-med major like that yeah. doesn't huh or like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go to this school if I have to like mortgage out $100,000 a year to do it. But I could go to this other one on a free ride. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. And so it's yeah. I kind of love seeing the plans blown up. Do, do, do I want soul crushing student loan debt for the rest of my life or not? Yeah. 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 Um, there is. I, I have also in the last few years, I've been working with the college counseling office at our school, like helping the kids with ap applications and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I definitely see the kids who are like, I am going to, and they have this list of five schools and mm -hmm. maybe they don't get into one of those five schools, right? Maybe mm -hmm. they're not going to one of the, that top 10. I've definitely seen that happen. Um, and I've definitely seen the kids who they get to the school and they realize it's the wrong place. Uh, mm -hmm. They realize it's not for them. And sometimes they come back to talk to you about it and you just tell them like the, the, the plan doesn't matter. The plan you made when you were 17 does not have to be the plan you're following when you're 25. It's okay. Um, yeah. And even with my senior students, I have an assignment where they make what they want their resume to be in 10 to 12 years. Like mm -hmm. I make them show me what the plan is. Right. And some of yeah. them love it because they know exactly what it is. And some of them hate it because you're making them think about something more than like two months in the future. And they, yeah. they hate it. Um, but everyone, every so often, I do see a kid who's doing exactly what they put on the plan. And I love that when they say, mm -hmm. like, I want to get into this really competitive field and they're doing it. And it's awesome to see that. It's, it's also good to see the kids who rebound, who realize the plan isn't right. You know, who like mm -hmm. Alish don't get to go where they thought they were going to go, aren't on the trajectory they thought they would be on, but they still are able to make a good life for themselves regardless. Yeah, They're yeah. still able to do something they want. This, this isn't necessarily about your, your book, unfortunately, but it is the topic that you guys are talking about, which is this idea of, of these kids going to school and having these plans and college is part of it. I, I, I was listening. Uh, I listen to CNN sometimes on my, on my Sirius XM app. And they were talking about this Pew research uh, survey that, that they do every 10 years, 20 years, something like that. And they, they, they just look at, you know, the country, America, and, and where are people thinking about stuff? And uh, they recently did a, a study called Is College Worth It? And they found that uh, the people who believed that a college degree was going to help them moving forward had dropped. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious how how that impacts you guys as teachers and and with with the kids because uh, 
um, you know, overall, people are starting to see that as, you know, I made the joke earlier, soul crushing debt, right. uh, not necessarily something that's going to propel them forward and help them in a career, help them in a better life. You know, there, there, there's, it's, it's starting to shift slightly. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't want to speak for Dan here, but I'm willing to bet that your school and my school have something in common in that just it's the culture of the school itself that college is where you're headed, right? Yep. And so when I think we have a 99 point something placement rate for college um, and the point whatever are actually just kids who take a gap year and then go to college the year after. Um, yeah. The only exceptions that we have, and this is still an example of college, we'll have a very small number of students every year, two, three, who end up get accepted into um, one of the military schools. Like they'll go to the Naval Academy um, mm-hmm. or things of that nature, or they'll go to like the Coast Guard Academy. But that's still a four-year education. It's just one that is is built along different lines with like kind of a different, you know, returning to the theme of the plan after that phase, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know that I am in a great position to speak to what teenagers today as like a much larger, more representative group actually are thinking and are valuing. Because I yeah. I see students who have marinated in the idea that like higher education is the go-to. Sure. Dan? Yeah. The, the school I teach at is very much a college prep school. And usually the kid, if a kid doesn't go to college, it's probably because they've joined the military. Um, we do send kids to the academies. I've had students go to Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, Coast Guard Academy. Um, Colorado Springs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, it, it's uh, – I will say that I have noticed that these students are a lot more aware of student loan debt than I was when oh, yeah. I went to – I went to the most expensive school on my list, the one that gave me the least amount of money. And I was like, I don't know what any of these numbers mean. I'm discalculated. I can't possibly (laughs) gauge what this is going to cost me. Um, And then all I can say is thank God for public service loan forgiveness (laughs) (laughs) because I, because I've taught for more than 10 years and I made payments for more than 10 years and it's gone. But I right. can't say that was a plan. I basically stumbled into making that happen. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I do think one thing, you know, um, there's a larger percentage of students, particularly for my school because it's a STEM school, who they're not going to – the traditional idea of go to college was like go to college, study the arts, read the classics, challenge your mind, adjust your thinking, grow as a human, you know, and and all of these things remain true about the college experience for everyone to varying extents, right? But more students, I think, that I know when they go to college are like, I'm going to go to this college because it can offer me different internships every year. And it's going to have a placement. uh, It's got a direct placement thing into this other program, which is going to get me like into Google or something. And so a lot of it Mm -hmm. has to do with how the college programs they're interested in are structured as a ladder into the industries they want to go to. And so I think that more than the kind of like, I am going to engage in a renaissance of my intellectual life. Yeah. is what students are. I mean, if they're if they're doing the calculus of what is this going to cost me versus what is this going to get me, those types of things I just described often figure pretty prominently into their decisions. Yeah. 
And, yeah, and Dan, what's the? Forgive me, I'm terrible with names. What's the name of the character? Uh, the character in Ailish. Yeah, Ailish Kyrustiona Delenti on Tiralal. <laughs> yeah, I'll never remember any of that. I'll just remember Ailish. But uh, I think I think that the point behind this particular uh, survey and and just to look at 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 these kids in general and, and people who are, are thinking about college in a different way now is, is very similar to Ailish in that they, they kind of go to college and university and they have this plan to Tracy's point. They, they have specific things that they want to do. Uh, and then they find out that there's like 200 people competing for the same job and only one person gets that job. And the rest of them have to go to the small town. Right, and and end up at the at, at the, the the less ideal job, the not not the one that they were thinking about, not the one that they were uh, hoping was going to be like the big city, the big thing, blah blah blah. And so that's where I think a lot of this disconnect happened. People are going, "Why should I spend this time doing this? Why should I spend the money doing this uh, if I can't actually get what I want coming out the other end?" Is that similar to Eilish? Eilish? Alish. Uh, I'm terrible. Somewhat. See, you just told me to pronounce it, and I'm already forgetting it. This is my brain. So, in, in Alish's case, um, she she has the option before she goes that she could just not become a warden um, and be a wizard, and like get you know you get your degrees, and she can go be the court wizard to some you know nobleman, or she can go you know she can stay at the stay at the college and and try to teach, which she would hate. She'd be terrible at that. Um, but Ailish is also the kind of person who if you if you tell her she can't do something or if you put an obstacle in front of her, she is going to knock it down in the most direct and difficult <laughs> way possible. So at the start, she assumes that she assumes that, you know, she has been sent here as like political revenge by this one particular archmagister, this one particular professor who doesn't like her, and she's like, you know what? fuck that guy. I am going to show him what's what they're going <laughs> to, they're going to send me here to like live in the slops for two years. That's fine. I will do it and smile. And then I will shove it in his face when I get my next posting and it's better. That's of course she comes to realize like maybe, maybe she was sent to this place for a reason for her specific skill set. Like, yeah, maybe it was revenge, but maybe it was also for the good of the warden service that, her particular skill set well, put her here. That's really fun. That's yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. She doesn't like thinking that, you know, she thinks it's, a, she would rather think that it's revenge than think that it's actually the best, like that this is the best place where she could go. The best fit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, because, well yeah, you, that goes you, against the plan, right? Yeah. To accept yeah, exactly. that, that this thing, which exactly. is, not the ideal vision of being a warden that she had constructed mm -hmm. for herself might actually be the best strategic play would be mm -hmm. to admit that her plan was not ideal. Yeah. Like that, like, oof, no, can't yep. be. Can't it might be to admit that she was wrong and that's not something Ailish is good at. She got it. She got it. She got an 89 on this particular spell casting <laughs> test and she needed a 90 to go to a bigger city. Oh, she, would, she would pitch a fucking tent outside her office to, to yeah, be like, no. excuse me, I'm here to dispute Ailish, this grade. 
Ailish is the kind of student who, if she got an 89 on something, would be knocking on your door immediately to ask why it's an 89. Uh, she is absolutely that kind of student. That's funny. Now, is she going to do it like, like, excuse me, Mr. Ford, um, I just... I'm wondering if there was a mistake in the rubric or something. No, here? because my or is she just going to be like, "Look, <laughs> yeah, she she would walk. She she would say, you know, Mr. Ford, why did I get an 89 on this paper? Mm. Right? Justify that yourself. Would, it would be the, the the direct approach. Yeah, the yeah. direct approach. We'll grab you by your beard and pull you in and be like, excuse <laughs> me, like about to have a conversation here. You don't yeah. have the benefit of, uh, I mean, if you look up an author photo, of course, of course you will listeners, but you don't have the benefit of the fact that we have a really glorious beard thing going on here. Um, <laughs> that I, you know, I don't think that audio captures beard. Um, I don't know enough about, um, the, the I mean, I could rub it over there. the microphone, but I don't think that would, <laughs> that, would be, that would be an experience we weird. have yet to have deliberately offered to the listeners. Um, sort of beard kink. Um, so I think maybe, maybe we won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are at a great time, I think, for Picks of the Week. So want to do it? Sure. Sure. Yes. Picks of the Week. All right. Patrick, you want to yes. show Dan how it's done? Nope. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> oh, Curses with your, with your juking and, and bobbing and weaving. I have two today, actually, uh, because I, I have to, I have to mention the teaser trailer for Ahsoka, because uh, as the listeners can't see, you know, Ahsoka is up here. She is uh, protecting my Hugo Award uh, up there. Actually, this is the this is the fulcrum Ahsoka. So this is from nice. Rebels. Uh, Ahsoka, I, it grew on me as a character. I, I, I did not, and I've always said, you know, the intention from Dave Filoni was that no one would like her in the beginning. She was intentionally annoying. Uh, but it, you know, the Clone Wars is Ahsoka's story, really. It's hers and the clones. And so she grew on me over time, and she's just become one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. And to see her make the jump to live action in Mando and, uh, the book of Boba Fett was just fantastic. And I know that that freaked a lot of people out, but, uh, and then to see that trailer and we, so far we've seen several characters from animated make the, the jump to live action, including Ahsoka. Uh, but in that trailer, we actually get to see, uh, Sabine and we also get to see Hera and Chopper and the ghost and the phantom. And it's just like, Oh my God, <laughs> Talk about like I, I feel like at some point they shifted to fan service in some of these things, and I'm all for it. Like, let's go. Uh, you also get a hologram of Ezra, and uh, you you get a uh, the back of Thrawn's head in that trailer. So bring it on! I am so ready for that show. That's going to hit in August, uh, but that trailer just made my day. Uh, the other thing I did want to point out, I, I enjoyed. Like opposite end of the spectrum completely. Netflix has a series called The Night Agent. And I really enjoyed this. This is like this is like spy slash political thriller stuff. And it's about uh, an FBI agent. And they have a, the office in uh, under the White House called where the night agent 
works. And this is someone who sits there all night long uh, in front of a phone. And if the phone rings, they're supposed to answer it. And then they have a book and uh, it's for uh, like spies who are out in the world. And they are, they are basically calling in to say, Hey, uh, I've got a problem and, but they have to give codes. And then he looks up the codes in the book and goes back and forth on uh, counters and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's a, it's a fun show. And then he gets, you know, like he gets one of those calls and then it just sucks him into all this stuff. And uh, it was, it's just fun. It's a great show. So uh, that's my pick. Number two is the night agent and it's on Netflix. All right. Got a double pick there. So that's super cool. I cannot remember for my pick if I have uh, talked before about how a while back for Christmas I got uh, Husbeast this scratch-off poster that is BoardGameGeek.com's Top 100 Games. And the idea behind it is it's the Top 100 Games from 2022. And if you go through and uh, as you play the games that are listed there, you scratch off the icon that represents that game. And then over time, you have this kind of like trophy wall of I have played all the really cool shit from this year. Um, And so he got it for Christmas. He was able to scratch off easily half of them just upon opening the thing. But now it's turned into kind of a bucket list for him of all these other games that he wants to play. And so it's resulted in him borrowing and and trading and doing some different stuff with games. And one of the games that he got recently, just so he could scratch it off the list, is The Lost Ruins of Arnak. And I, you know, when he said, I got this because of the the poster and wanted to scratch it off the list, I was sort of like, okay, you know, could it could have just been a completionist impulse and I wasn't necessarily expecting to enjoy the game. But I actually really, really did. And so a good way of thinking about the Lost Ruins of Arnak is it's got a little bit of an Indiana Jones vibe to it. Um, The art style is very suggestive of that sort of thing. Um, And it is a worker placement game, but it's a worker placement game that has absolutely bonkers, fun strategies for how you layer different cards together because it's a deck building game with a worker placement uh, mechanic. And the idea behind it is you are an archaeologist that has gone to a place called Arnak and you're trying to find all the cool stuff to bring back, you know, Indiana Jones style to your museum. (laughs) And this is going to involve, you know, going to secret places where there could be a monster. And then how do you fight the monster? And then how do you, you know, buy equipment that you need that can help you do certain stuff better. And you can get a research assistant that can also help you optimize certain actions and things. But the gag of it that's really interesting is you have only two workers to place in the entire game. You never get more over time. That's usually something in a worker placement game that changes. Like as rounds go on, you'll either be able to use actions to buy more workers or you'll just naturally get more as the game progresses. Nah, you only ever get two workers. But a lot of what you can do is dictated by the hand of cards that you build over time. And that allows you to make a single worker placement add up to potentially five, six, seven different actions. And so if you're the sort of person where you go like, ooh, Oh, as you're playing a game, as you realize that because you did X, you can now do Q, R, S, T, U, and V as well. This is absolutely a game that you'll get a huge charge out of. It runs pretty fast. The whole game plays in about an hour to 80 minutes, uh, even with teaching time. Um, But it still has, it's got nice, satisfying layers for heavier gamers, but it's also very approachable for people who are kind of more on the beginner end of things think of it as a little bit like um worker placement meets the vibe of a game like clank um and then you're sort of there 
So The Lost Ruins of Arnak has been an awful lot of fun. We've really enjoyed it over here. And if you haven't checked it out, I think you should. Very cool. Great. Dan, what have you got? Awesome. So the thing that I've been enjoying uh, when I'm not revising a book or weightlifting lately is actually a video game. Um, And it's um, I'm a huge baseball nerd. I love baseball. This is like my favorite time of year. The Orioles might be good again (laughs) for the first time (laughs) since 2016. Um, And so the new MLB, the show came out, but I haven't played one of these in years, but I I downloaded this one specifically because it has this new mode in it uh, involving Negro Leagues players where you play you play through moments of their career. And when you unlock certain achievements, you get little videos about their lives for like, Oh, that's cool. um, for like Martin Digo, who was the Cuban mm-hmm. Shohei Otani of his day. Yeah. He, he played every position except catcher. He was routinely both a pitcher and an infielder or outfielder um, throughout cool. his career for uh, Buck O'Neill, who's a legendary uh, player, scout coach, um, just a general ambassador for the game. If you ever watch Ken Burns baseball, um, yeah. or if you go to Cooperstown, the hall of fame, there's a statue of Buck O'Neill outside the museum. Um, and, uh, so I've done, I've done a little bit of the Buck O'Neill storyline. I've done a little bit of the Satchel page storyline. Like I love reading about yeah. Satchel page. I can't get enough stories about him. Um, and it's the, my favorite bit with Satchel is that when you're playing that game, um, you know, your, your pitch arsenal is labeled like four seam fastball, two seam fastball, cutter, whatever his aren't, they're labeled by the names he called them. So like his oh, fastball wow. is his B ball and his curveball is bat misser. And it's just so great. <laughs> I, I love seeing that these guys are kind of finally, it's way too late, but finally being integrated into like baseball's marketing in this way. And, that you can play it and learn about them at the same time. And I hope it sparks people who, you know, go to the Negro Leagues Museum in Kansas City and pick up uh, The Soul of Baseball about Buck O'Neill or, or Buck's uh, bio, uh, memoir, I Was Right on Time, um, because these guys have such amazing stories and they were such great players. Uh, and it's really cool to see sort of the flagship AAA video game of baseball, like giving them their due. That's yes. awesome. That's I, really I have cool. played those MLB games in the past. What what platform are you playing on? Uh, Xbox. Okay. I'm going to have to pick that up now because I, 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 I do love that. I, I talked about uh, listening on XM radio. I, I have that in the car, but I, I, I don't drive as much anymore since I work from home. So I use the app on my phone quite a bit. And I recently upgraded my plan so that I could hear baseball games. Cause I, I listen yeah. all day. I've got my, I've got it going all day. And, uh, so I've been listening, I was listening to, uh, uh, the Rockies, mm-hmm. uh, of course, cause I'm in Colorado, but I also listened to the Cubs cause I'm, I was born in Chicago and I was listening to the Cubs game. Uh, and, uh, Tracy, uh, uh, Deirdre might like this or might not, she may not care, but, uh, Belushi was there, James. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, he was we singing he was, that one on television okay. when yeah, he, he came yeah. up. And I'm like, do you know who that is? And she's like, I don't know. He seems familiar, <laughs> so, so for reference, to get you on, on the page here, Dan, uh, one of my daughter's absolute all-time favorite movies is The Blues Brothers. Like, she's okay. probably seen it no fewer than two dozen times. Um, yeah. Wow. And Yeah. 
Yeah. That's good parenting. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can take no credit for it because it was my mother-in-law that showed it to her, oh, wow. having kind of forgotten some of the racier bits. And so she was babysitting mm. her once and like watched it with her. And then afterwards, she like apologized profusely. And I was like, oh, sweetheart, you have no idea the things I've let this child see. So yeah. so for the yeah. benefits of the listeners, uh, the Cubbies have always done the, the seventh inning stretch that, you know, Harry Carey very famously would sing, take me out to the ball game. Uh, and now they they bring other people on as a as an homage to him, and and they sing the song during the seventh inning. And so Belushi was one of the ones that that did that, Jim Belushi. And I happened to be listening, and so I was so excited. It was so cool. <laughs> All right. So it has been really awesome having you on. We're going to need to to make sure people know where to find you and where to find the warden. So Dan, help them out. So you can find the warden anywhere books are sold. Uh, IndieBound, bookshop.org, Amazon, Barnes Noble, your local store, Audible, wherever it is you, you get your books, you can get the warden. Uh, you can pre-order it now or get, get it uh, in your hot little hands on April 18th. Uh, and you are most likely, I, I have a website, but I never use it. So you're most likely to find me on Twitter at sounding line. Um, so you just Google, you know, Daniel M. Ford, the warden, you'll find tweet after tweet after tweet imploring you to pre-order the warden. <laughs> Very cool. It's been awesome having you on Dan. Thanks a lot. <laughs> what on earth? Hey. hey! Oh, oh! Hi, Patrick. Tracy, what are you doing to the bumper? Uh, fortifying it. Duh. This is because we just talked to Keith Amon about defending your lair, and and I started thinking about that time beyond the trope tried to take over. Yeah, I, I act cool about that, but I guess it kind of got to me after all. You do realize that building a what? What is this? It's a palisade. Right. You realize that physical fortifications are not a way of protecting and preserving the podcast into the future, right? I suppose. Oh, oh! What about weapons? You're kidding. You have two Hugo Awards. Those trophies are very pointy and probably excellent for close quarters combat. Oh my God, you're not kidding. You can't tell me that you don't look at those trophies sometimes and think about how good it would feel to just poke them right into Sean Duke from Skiffy and Fanty, huh? Huh? My therapist says I need to give my worst impulses space to be entertained intellectually but not acted upon. I would totally act on that. But there's a problem. I don't have a Hugo Award trophy. I don't even have one of the tiny stabity nomination pins, Patrick. Patrick. Why are you grabbing me by the collar? Why am I narrating about it? This is audio entertainment, Patrick. Just give the cues. Patrick, I need that Hugo trophy to help you defend our layer. Podcast. But layer, podcast, whatever. We need to make sure the listeners know that nominating for the Hugo Awards is a great way to contribute to the SF community and honor content creators they like. Maybe even the functional nerds by nominating them for categories like best fan cast. Please let me go. Oh, sorry. 
Would you feel better if we also told folks that interested listeners can go to the current Worldcon Facebook page for more information? I cannot actually pronounce that name of that current page, but they're in China. Oh, or they could skip straight to finding the Chengdu Worldcon on the web at en.chengduworldcon.com. You know, you're stronger than I thought you'd be. My neck hurts. (sighs) Walk it off, Hester. Here, here's a hammer. We've got work to do. Let's take a second to talk about Beyond the Trope. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to, we recommend Beyond the Trope. Giles and Michelle have been putting out episodes for a really long time. Not as long as me, but don't hold that against them. They have a lot of great guests, just like we do. And they put out their episodes on Tuesdays, just like we do. They also have a Patreon with a bunch of extra content for backers, which is really cool. They have a Redbubble site where you can buy stuff. Also cool. And I just wanted to throw it out there. Beyond the Trope. Check them out. I think you'll like them. So there. Mr. Carpiers. You got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions, and then oh squirrel. Oh, for God's sake, Patrick Louise. <laughs> Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast? <laughs> okay, that's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, "Hey, I really love what you do," I'm like. I'm sorry, do you know who I, like, I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.